What's up, Podcast Land, and welcome to Over the Top. 2020 is over, the fans are not sober, and here's a bit West Brom or shit for more cheesy prem poems. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Over the Top EPL. I'm Kyle, and I've got my main man Justin here. What is up? Good, sir. I don't know. I'm just feeling nice and festive after your little poem right there. That was cute. I mean, what made it really well done, Kyle, is your little bit at the end, that West Brommer shit. Uh, that That's just the biggest truth of all the season. And it's not just a one, you know, soccer display shit. It's jersey shit. It's manager shit. It's like the worst fans in the world shit. It's all encompassing. Uh, they're the whole package when it comes to to shit. You get you get it all. You gotta love West Brom for it. Um, but yeah, I I totally did not uh, take that poem from anyone. That was me entirely who created that, and it definitely wasn't Justin. That's genius, absolute genius, Kyle. I applaud you. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of not ge- genius, real quick, got to talk about the news. Um, as we've all heard and we talked about last episode, the UK has been having some problems with COVID with the new variant. And as of today, we're recording on the 4th, I think it's Monday, I don't know, I'm losing track of time, yes, Monday, January 4th, uh, the UK just went into lockdown, but fear not Prem fans, that means the Premier League can still go on, just people in the UK can't really do much else. The one, one of many, probably the very few positives to come from COVID, Kyle, is that Burnley and Fulham got postponed because we got this, we got spared watching that nonsense. We really did. I mean, the COVID gods came down and was like, you know, 2020 has been a rough year. Let's start off the new year right, and let's just cancel this shit game so Justin Call don't have to blast it in outer space. So thank you, Lode. Thank you. <laughs> all kidding aside we hope the Fulham players get better and they're able to play matches soon but yes that that match was postponed um kyle a couple weeks ago was it only two weeks ago dang i don't know i graced your presence with wearing an arsenal jersey and i as we'll get to single-handedly improved their season from shit to not so shit today i have showed up and what jersey have i graced your presence with you had to come in with the Manchester City jersey, which is kind of weird because they're in some pretty good form. I didn't you show you the back of this jersey. Who do you think is on the back? Zach Steffen. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Carlos Tevez. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I, I used to hate the celebration he did, but I miss the celebration where he shook his ass. Classic. <laughs> Carlos Tevez, I mean, he'll be shaking his ass after Manchester City absolutely walloped Chelsea 3-1. to one. And that scoreline was probably closer than it actually was. I mean, this was a blowout, Kyle, especially in the first half. Chelsea were outclassed, outmanned, and outpassed. Any, any metric you want to throw up there, they were outdone by. So what do we make of this Chelsea and, more importantly, to start with, Manchester City performance? Yeah, this 3-1, 100% flatters Chelsea. It didn't look like a 3-1 game. It didn't feel like a 3-1 game. I think their first goal came in the 92nd minute or something like that. But this was City's best performance of the season. I mean, they just ripped into Chelsea. And Chelsea was clueless. They lacked energy. Werner doesn't look like he's ever going to score a goal, at least on this form. Um, Havertz is nowhere to be seen. I, I think he actually did show up last time to get an assist. Got an assist, I think. But, um, you know, me walking away from this game, I was thinking one thing. This was a reminder that Man City is going to fight for the title. And this is a reminder that anyone who wrote them off after 10 weeks is crazy. Because with how condensed the season it, uh, this table is, you know, the stars are aligning for Man City to make a run. And what a time to put on your best performance of the season, both as a team and for our favorite, KDB. Man, he was on fire in that false nine position. He's so good. I mean, I swear he could play any position and be good, but uh, when KDB is on, it might be the most enjoyable player for me to watch in the Premier League. I mean, so silky smooth. The balls that he whips in, you got to love those balls that he whips. So, uh, just I love those whip balls. I love those Ex- whip balls. But, but you're right. He's got to be one of the best players to watch. 
Um, you know, and he's not actually a flashy player at all. He just his decision making and just how good he is at making those decisions and his all around games just he's a beautiful player to watch. Another Bundesliga great, Kyle, Ilkay Gundogan. What a turn he had for his goal. That was so silky. Ooh. I was watching that. I was like, whoo, out loud when I saw that. That is an underrated goal, man. That little Cruyff turn before he before he hit it in the bottom corner. Oh man. City were on one and Gunduan, I think man, I think he's scored the first goal in City's like last four games or something like that. So um, you know, and it wasn't just Gunduan and KDB who lit it up. The defense, again, I mean, they conceded a goal. I thought that was pretty unfair on them, but best D in the Premier League. Where Another week goes by, and we keep saying it. Ruben Diaz, Kyle, came to that team and really have shored, has shored up that back line. I mean, seems like whether it's Laporte or, I mean, even John Stones playing with him, they've been rock solid. And this is a John Stones that I was talking with you early, early this season that I might rather have him than Harry Maguire, if, this remember, if you remember this. And looky here, Kyle, Manchester City with the best defense in the Premier League. And it's what 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 is craziest about this is their really good form and all these clean sheets are grinding out are one hundred percent coinciding with the fact that Stones is replacing a center back I thought was one of the best in the league in Laporte. Uh, I don't, you know, it all it all looked like it would be a Diaz and Laporte um, partnership, but John Stones back from the dead. You know, he uh, maybe he can actually tackle. Maybe he can actually go through a whole game without making mistakes. And uh, we're finally seeing a more sort of polished John Stones when I did not expect it. Moving on to Chelsea Football Club, Kyle. Chell LLLLC Football Club. Hopefully you got that reference. Uh, four losses in the last six. Lampard... He coaches for an owner named Roman Abramovich. And if you don't know Roman, he likes to fire coaches really quickly for bad results. Is Lampard actually sitting on a seat that's a little heated? Oh, man. This discussion has, just watching some of the pundits out there discuss this, some people have gotten heated, heated about this because I think everyone in their right mind would say, you got to give Lampard time. You know, this is just about six bad performances in a row. Give the guy time. But anyone who says that does not <laughs> is not thinking about Roman Abramovich. And if you think of any big club, he's the owner that is, you know, quick to pull, um, you know, quick to pull the trigger. I mean, honestly. So any lamp, any sort of Chelsea manager who goes on a run like this, you got to be feeling the hot seat. You got to. I mean, the guy fired uh, Carlo Ancelotti for winning the FA Cup and barely finishing second. I mean, crazy. Isn't so, that crazy? <laughs> I mean, good. looking just, back. It's just mental. I mean, they said they were going to give Lampard time to work on this project. It is a project. Uh, they brought in players who uh, weren't the finished you know, product and were going to need to improve anyway. And um, we're going to see if Chelsea's money is where their mouth is on that one. The problem with giving Lampard time, Kyle, is Chelsea, sh- I mean, they also had a transfer ban, so they didn't shell out their usual money, but they shelled out a shit ton of money last summer, mainly buying Havertz and Christian, or sorry, Timo Werner, where they're mm-hmm. two big German signings. And they've both been, for lack of a better word, kind of duds so far, especially Havertz. And yes, he did get the assist really late on in this game, but if those two players don't start producing, that's going to look really bad for Lampard. So their success might all be intertwined. And so we'll see what happens. I don't think Lampard's going to get fired if they lose um, like a couple more matches in the next couple months. But I mean, if they go on this, if they continue this terrible run of form where they just LLLDWLLLLL, they're done. I mean, he's done. Yeah, if if that happens, he's going to force Abramovich's hands. But, you know, I think it would take a pretty terrible run for Roman to fire Lampard in the middle of the season. I think, if anything, he would wait till the end of the season. I wish Lamps wasn't in this position, even as a Spurs fan. You know, Chelsea's not my favorite, but you got to give the guy time. But, um, you know, real quick touch on Werner and Havertz. They've been shysa. They've really been shysa. I mean, these dudes have zero confidence and uh hey you and i were on the pod last week 
well, it wasn't last week. It was like four days ago, but last episode. And um, we said that Werner and Havertz, if they don't pick up their form, it could cost Lampard his job. And I, I, you know, I stand by that. One other problem with Frank Lampard, Kyle, is I feel like he experiments a lot, but they still don't know their best starting 11. And Thiago Silva even came out very experienced, really respected, awesome center back. Comes out after the game and says he doesn't even know what the problem is with Chelsea Football Club. Is it their midfield? Is N'Golo Conte not as good? Which is clearly he's not playing to the form that he once had. Mm-hmm. Is it their attackers? Is it not playing Giroud? Because when they play Giroud, it equals win, seemingly. And when they don't, it's a loss. Like, what? what is the problem? And what is the right lineup for Lampard and Chelsea? Yeah, there just seems to be no consistency in the team. You know, and I think the this constant chopping and changing has a lot to do with that. I mean, Lampard will make all these changes to bring back some energy if he thinks players are tired. But, you know, he'll roll out with a team that made seven changes and still get outworked by the other team. So um makes me wonder if he doesn't know how to motivate his players, which would really surprise me as a, you know, I would assume that these former players would be the kind of managers who'd be able to get that from their team. but. You're right, man. He doesn't know his best 11. Uh, he seems to want to come up with every reason possible not to start Giroud. I don't know what he was thinking benching him for Werner when Werner looks totally lost out there. But it's it's kind of weird. I feel like bringing all these players was kind of, um, you know, double-edged sword because last season what really carried Chelsea with these young players was their energy. I mean, they outwork teams and... I th- they're getting outworked this season now as he tries to bring in these more experienced players. Yeah, they were outworked. I mean, you saw Chelsea trying to break down City, couldn't do it when they turned the ball over. It was so easy for City to break down the midfield and move past and have a breakaway pass on, on Chelsea's defense. So a lot to work on. We'll see what happens for Chelsea. But as I told a couple people as I was texting uh, them during the game, Chelsea looked like a sad sack of shit, and they were during that game. Moving on to tied a team tied for top of the table, Kyle. Manchester United beat Aston Villa 2-1 to one over the weekend. And honestly, Kyle, I thought it was a really entertaining game, and I thought both teams played well, to be honest with you. 100%. I mean, it says a lot that one of my main takeaways from this game was that Aston Villa are for real, and they lost this game because they went up against Manchester United uh, side that's playing really well. They're probably the most, they've got to be the most informed team out of the past two months. I mean, ever since dropping out of the Champions League, they've just hit a real um, nice patch of form. But this was, both of these teams showed up. Both of these teams had a really good game, as was evident in Villa pushing for a goal in the last 10, 15 minutes. And as even more evident, and Eric Bai again, back from the dead, maybe finally has a hamstring now, uh, coming up with the real clutch block at the very end. So um, pretty fair game, pretty even game, but United probably just edged this one. Yeah, just edged it, and you see that in XG and a couple of the stats, but that's not saying, that's not sliding Villa. I mean, Villa were in this game, I think a draw, I would not have barked at that at all. I think that would have been a fair result for them too. Uh, you mentioned Eric Bailly. I mean, he had a block at the very end of the game that he put his body on the line. You saw players going up to him and really celebrating and congratulating him for that. And you know, that's really cool to see. And is that locker room together? I mean, I think that team obviously is humming, you know, 13 points in their last five games. You know, the most informed team, the most points, wins, goals, shots on target since November 7th. So all those stats going for Manchester United. And so... We have to eat crow a little bit here, Kyle. You and I collectively, yeah. we we said Ollie, like, you know, he's out, he's done. They look like shit. Champions League, they can't even get out of that group after having such a big lead. But here they are, top of the table. Yeah, we got to eat our words. Uh, me specifically. I mean, I, I've just been bashing Ollie all season, this United team. I still think Ollie isn't the answer, and I still think this team is uh, very inconsistent. But over you got to say, over the last three, four, five games, it's been consistency for 90 minutes, which is a start and, you know, was the area that we identified as our main point of improvement. But uh, this United team, they're, we all know about their uh, attacking uh, firepower with Martial, Rashford, Cavani off the bench, 
Uh, Greenwood hasn't even shown up this season yet, and just wait till he hits form. Uh, so they've got great, great players. Um, dangerous going forward, and defensively, they've really shored up the back line. So makes me wonder if that Eric Bailly and McGuire uh, center back partnership is the answer moving forward. But you know, first we got to see if Bailly can even stay fit for about a month. Um, it's just the only thing though is you can't talk about this game without talking about the penalty to give United mm-hmm. the two one win. Yeah, Kyle, Paul Pogba in the box drew the penalty. Kind of looked like from one angle that he tripped over. Um, I forget the Aston Villa defender. Was it Cash? Was it, who was it? Target? Who was the, that um, he tripped I over? It, I think it was One of the Cash. two players. Um, but on another angle, it looks like his right foot went right into his leg, and he tripped himself, drawing the penalty. Now, mm-hmm. VAR looked at this. And they decided it wasn't enough to overturn the penalty call. Kyle, I understand the precedent that's been set with VAR to only overturn overturn egregious and obvious errors, which in this case, that probably was the right call on VAR's standpoint. Mm -hmm. But do you agree with the initial penalty call that uh, the referee gave in this match? It's just, it's so hard to say if I agree with the call because, you know, in live time, I mean, who can pick out something like that? I mean, it was, in, in short, I'll just, I'll just summarize this. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's enough to like be a foul, but there is contact, but anyone in live time, I don't think you're going to see that. In live time, it looks like Pogba just trips over himself, but the referee did seem pretty uh, eager to call that penalty, so... You know whether or not we agree, uh, we agree with it. VAR actually did the right thing in this in this instance, and uh, wasn't enough to overturn. And I agree with that. But man, just if this is, you talked about the precedent, but if this is what a penalty is nowadays, I mean, Jesus, man, it was, it, God, it was so fortunate. And of course, for it to happen to United, you know, it just it figures. You know, if we were La Liga fans, this happened to Madrid, we'd all be like, God, this fucking figures, right? They seem to get all the calls, but uh, Bruno, got to give him credit. You know, we call him Bruno Fernandez, but he puts every single one in. Yeah, he does. And I think I saw this somewhere. I'll have to find the stat, but I swear United have had over double the penalties than the next closest EPL team in the last year. Uh, it's been, if it's not that, then it's really close to that. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I know this season Leicester have had a lot, but. Manchester yeah. United, I mean, Bruno, I mean, he's the reason he's uh, Bruno Penandes, right? Yeah. But, I mean, he's been their best player, too, even non-penalty related. So Yeah, well, I'm really glad you brought up uh, quotes real quick because Jurgen Klopp, we'll get to Liverpool later, Mans was salty after his game, and he, <laughs> said, he went out of his way to mention Manchester United, said Manchester United, uh, what, this season has gotten more penalties than Liverpool has in the last five seasons. The last five seasons. Last yes. two seasons. Okay, mm. I thought he was just talking mad shit. We actually looked at the stats. Klopp actually came ready for this one. <laughs> that is actually true. Crazy. Crazy. Good Moving guy. on to Aston Villa, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, this game showed you that Aston Villa was for real. I completely agree with that. I mean, even they could even get Ross Barkley back, who'd been actually playing really well for Aston Villa. And that just make, creates more problems and lineup rotation which this team could use for the different competitions or congested games and such so that's a plus for them but also i mean even without ross barkley that attacking quartet causes real problems i mean bertrand troy has come in he wasn't starting in the beginning of the season but it's been pretty damn good since he's come in and yeah. same with el ghazi on the left so with the Grealish, uh el ghazi bertrand troy and then ollie watkins as a attacking quartet kyle that's pretty damn good it is pretty damn good i mean they they they've caused everyone problems this season Uh, i think they'll continue to do so you mentioned barkley coming back in um they've got options man they've got options and you look at that lineup and you think how were they almost relegated last season they probably should have if if you know i might i remind everyone that um you know had the goal line technology been working in their game against Sheffield United, <laughs> Villa would not even be here this season. So crazy. But you look at them on paper, and man, they 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 should be 
uh, probably mid-table level, but that attacking quartet gives them an edge to potentially push a little bit further. Uh, I think European places is still a little far from Aston Villa, but look, they deserve to be where they are. And as everyone knows, they've got two games in hand. Uh, my only uh, call to Dean Smith would be to improve that defense a little bit. I still am not 100% sure about uh, Tyrone Mings, but Matty Cash, he looks good, man. He does, and even though, and I kind of agree with you that I'm not sold on that defense, they are the third best defense in this Premier League. Yep. So I, I know they seem unconvincing, but looking at the stats, I'm like, hey, yeah. they don't have a terrible defense, and Aston Villa has, what, a plus 13 goal differential through 15 games. That, how fantastic is that? Like, what a turnaround for them. Yep, we just we just got to see how they handle these next three or four games because they're on a, a real hellish run right now against all the big clubs. But this pro- this performance, like we said, is encouraging, even though it is not a point or three points. You alluded to this match, Kyle, a second ago by referencing Jurgen Klopp's uh, quotes. But Liverpool went down to the south coast of England, aka Champ, aka Southampton. And a former Liverpool player got the best of them. And we're talking about Danny Ings, who scored a superb goal that led Southampton to a 1-0 win over the mighty Liverpool. Kyle, Liverpool have dropped more points now than they have, I think, almost the, almost the entire season last year. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, this, this Liverpool team looks vulnerable, but... Man, I, I I feel like this Danny Ings goal has not been talked about enough. I mean, I know it just happened earlier today, but I feel like that should be up there with the goal con- uh, the season contenders. I mean, honestly, we've been talking about James Ward-Prowse all season with his ability from set pieces. He gets in on the action again, chipping it over Trent Alexander-Arnold, who was like nowhere to be found. You you know, you got to criticize oh, Alexander-Arnold. Oh man. I mean, he wasn't even marking him. He didn't even watch Ings as he started to run behind him. But uh, Ings with his first touch with a high looping ball uh, hits it with his instep with the left foot and um, pretty much top corner chip. I mean, it was filthy, filthy, but champ, they just got that early goal, pulled a Jose Mourinho and sat back and soaked up the pressure and just looked to hit him on the counter. And uh, Liverpool struggled to cope, and they looked blunt going forward, man. But Champ really saw defensively. Kai, I want to correct my statement I made earlier uh, that Liverpool have almost lost more points. They have lost more points this season than they did last season. So that, I mean, last season they lost 15 points from a whole season. So of the possible 114, they had 99, which is crazy. Uh, they have given up six plus uh, two times six is 12. So they've given up 18 points already this season. Man, some of the teams they've dropped points again, too. I mean, your Fulhams, your Brightons. Uh, Jesus, man. I don't even know how they're dropping points against these teams. But, uh, hey, if anything is clear with the way everyone has been playing, every single squad has hit a rough patch of form. Uh, I think it'll probably only take 85 points, maybe even 80 points to win the league this season, which... You know, with this crazy uh, precedent set by both City and Liverpool in the past, who've been scoring 100-plus points each season, um, all big six clubs, Leicester, even Everton, Villa, they got to be licking their lips at that. Yeah, I mean, this is what won Leicester the title. They won with, what, 80 points, I believe? So it's these types of years that clubs like Leicester, Aston Villa, or Everton have a chance at the top four. I mean, if you're not going to take advantage when... You know, you're not going to take advantage when City's scoring 100, obviously. So they have something to play for. And, hey, I mean, COVID year, I mean, it's crazy. You're going to have pe- yeah. players that's for positive for COVID, be out. It's a trying year. And it's just, you know, we're grateful to have soccer and football, I should say. And so, yeah, I, I think absolutely that 85 or 80 points can win the league. Southampton, lastly, before we move on to Liverpool, Snap a four-game winless run, and this were, this was a winless run where they had a couple draws in there, Kyle. But they were generating like record low xG. It was it was a real bad run of form for them, and their defense held up just like it did today and played really well. But their offense hadn't been showing, and minus an Ings Golazo, you know their offense didn't do much either this game. Granted, they were up one nil, but 
a mixed bag from Southampton over the last few weeks, but what, at what point do we throw them in and say like, hey, they are definite contenders for at least Europa League? No, I think we got to wait till March. I would say March, because at that point, you probably have 25 games played, something like that. So uh, once you get to that point, you know, whether we like it or not, that's when you start having to take them seriously. I think the Leicester season, when it came to about to be about late February, March, everyone was like, oh, shit, is this actually happening? The league. <laughs> yeah, so moving on to Liverpool, though. God, I can't remember a Liverpool side that's been this blunt going forward. I mean, you look at it on paper, Salamane Firmino, unreal. Uh, I would still say best in the world, but Sala and Mane, more so Sala, they just, they look a little off to me. Um, Sala just doesn't really seem that sharp, and Mane is still putting in some decent performances, just as lacking that goal. But, uh, you know, my dad, who's a Liverpool fan, reached out to me saying these last four or five games have been just brutal because teams are just parking the bus and Liverpool can't break them down. And I thought that and hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, and it, you know when Salah and Mane both have off days in the same game, it, it spells trouble for Liverpool. And you've seen doesn't matter how many chances they can create. I mean, Salah had a really good header chance that he put over the bar. Mane was through on goal, kind of, but kind of slowed down. Hesitation with his left foot in the defender. I think it was Bednarik, but maybe someone yeah. else slid in for the corner. So they had some decent opportunities in this game and obviously had more XG because with Southampton scoring early, they kind of sat back. But yeah, it's it's their struggle to break down teams is something that they hadn't had in recent years. So if they can't do that, uh, much like the Crystal Palaces or the Spurs sometimes where they can't break down teams that sit back, then they're going to drop points. Uh, you mentioned Trent Alexander-Arnold. That was terrible marking, and their defense let them down in this game again when they could have easily kept a clean sheet this game, Kyle. So at what point do you have to say Liverpool need a center back to help out and try and make a run for the title? <laughs> oh, well, how long ago did we say it on the pod? I mean, we've been saying since like Van Dyke immediately went down, oh shit, Liverpool need to get a center back right now. Uh, I think they need a center back in the summer transfer window. You know, if you sell Lovren and you only have three center backs, that's uh, during this condensed season, you're just asking for it. But of course, no one saw both Van Dyke and, going to, and, and Gomez going down with ligament injuries, but they've got to sign a center back now. And I, if Liverpool don't sign a center back, uh, you can write this down. Uh, I would say right here and now, if they don't sign a center back, Liverpool aren't winning the league. But if they do... I think they keep uh, keep the league. So you think if Liverpool sign a center back, they will retain the Premier League title? Yes. Wow. But I guess they could go after someone like a, I don't know, name one joke center back, a Marcus Rojo. That wouldn't mean shit. So, but I'd expect them to go out and look at someone like an Upa Meccano or uh, someone like that. Gotcha. Uh. Any else? Anything else to say about Liverpool, Kyle? Before we move on, I don't really have much else on them. Uh, all I'm, all I'll say is I think I've been thinking a lot about the effects of COVID and no fans. Uh, I think Anfield is probably the place that struggles the most without any fans, other than some of the small teams like Palace and Sheffield. But uh, no fans at Anfield, and um, that that really hurts them. When they really need a goal, they'll go uh, push them towards the end, uh, finish line. All right, Kyle. I think it's time for rapid fire. Kyle Everton hosted West Ham United got really outplayed I know it was only one nil but I thought West Ham kind of bossed that game Kyle and had a really good game plan going in yeah they pressed really hard which is kind of unusual for a David Moyes team uh but yeah they really had a blueprint going in this uh match got to give David Moyes credit once again I mean West Spam are on a really good uh I was gonna say good run of form but they're having a good season overall Everton, they've been in some really good form as of late, but again, pull up another uh, egg, and just as they were getting healthier too. Didn't really expect this to happen, but I'm sure there are better days ahead for Everton. 
Yeah, I mean, they had won four wins on the draw there. I mean, a loss was, they were overdue for one. So, I mean, well, losing one nil is not the end of the world, although they didn't play very well. West Ham, I mean, they hadn't been playing well. This is their first win in the last five, but encouraging signs. And they had put together a few good performances. So I think, you know, much improved for West Ham. And hopefully for them, they can finish top of the table. But looking at the table, I mean, there's probably... 10 to 11 pretty good teams this year. So it'll be tough, but they're definitely top to the table worthy. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely won't go down. And speaking of another team who I don't think will go down, even though they got smacked on the day, uh, Leeds United uh, lost three nil away to Tottenham Hotspur, a real blowout on this one. And uh, finally, Finally, a game where Jose seemed to be listening to fans and pundits alike. Like, hey, dude, when you go one goal up, don't sit back. But you got to say, Leeds completely played into Jose's hand on this one. Yeah, I mean, Leeds don't change for anyone. You know, They're, you know what you're getting. It's like a, it's like a guy on his third met marriage. You know, at some point, you kind of know what you're getting. And if you don't change, if he doesn't change, then it's the highway. You know what I mean? Or if you don't change for him, I should say so. Spurs set up the exact right way, even though my favorite Harry Winks was in there. Uh, they just bossed this game, knew how to counterattack. Son and Kane, I mean, tied right now for the most combinations in the Premier League history. Uh, I think with Alan Shearer and Black and the Blackburn players, um, they have like what 20, 22 games, twenty games to beat it. Uh, so they're, they're looking pretty good uh, to smash that Premier League record. Leeds, Kyle, I mean, you're, we've said this so many times. They're going to have good matches like winning 5-0 and then they're going to get absolutely smacked. We called it, we hit the nail on the head on this one. And, you know, not only just needing to learn how to defend, but defend set pieces. They've given up the most goals from set pieces. And that's the something that Leeds cannot do when they press and play so high on a set dead ball they cannot afford to give up as many goals as they are yeah i mean if you're conceding as many set pieces as uh leeds united are or conceding from set pieces that's going to be really frustrating because leeds are going to dominate a lot of games and leeds are going to come away from a lot of games thinking they should be winning these matches or at least getting some points and uh you know conceding from set pieces is if you want to if if you really want to drop some points that's how you do it case in point so um Pretty surprising that they managed to concede uh, a set piece to Tottenham, who, you know, I watch every Spurs game as a fan, and I they never never score set pieces. So, yeah, they really need they really need to work on that. And uh, it's just Leeds weren't really up for it on the day. They showed some good energy, played some nice stuff, but they never really threatened the Tottenham goal. Crystal Palace, Kyle hosted Sheffield United, lowly Sheffield United, and won two to nil, and. It's kind of that formula that we've been talking about. If Palace go up early, that will equal a win for them. If they fall behind, there's no chance for them to come back. I think they scored in the fourth minute with a schlup goal to go up 1-0. All oh, easy takings against Sheffield United. And then just for insurance, uh, schlup went off injured and Eze came on and scored a golazo. Uh, nice and easy goal, just dribbling through, I think, four players or so and having a pretty nice finish in a goal, Kyle. Oh man, that that goal was so saucy, so saucy. I mean, he just glides across Sheffield's whole defense. And if you ever wanted an example of why Sheffield are where they are this season compared to last season, watch their defense in any game last season and compare that to today. I mean, they can't even tackle anymore. They're they're terrible. I mean, almost half the season's gone, and they've they're winless. Have two points. I don't even know what their goal differential is, but it's got to be. Probably second worst to West Brom, but it's just, Jesus, not looking good. But that is a goal. Go watch it. Yeah, I mean, Sheffield, two points through 17 games, Kyle. It's a all-time worst run ever. I mean, eight goals scored, 29 goals allowed. I mean, right behind what Leeds United and West Brom for worst defense in the Premier League and Chelsea. Or no, not Chelsea, sorry. Uh, West Brom and leads yeah so it's it's really bad i don't see how they overturn this i mean they have to bring in players clearly the attack that they have is not good enough defensively they need to be more solid and i just don't know how they crawl their way out kyle i really don't 
Yeah, it would be the great escape if they managed to. I, I can't imagine any team ever getting out of this position that Sheffield are in uh, right now. But moving on to another team that are really struggling, usually struggling for goals, but they managed to nick three goals in this game. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion at home to Wolves, 3-3 draw. These, on paper, these are two teams you never think in the entire universe could ever score three, mat- uh, three goals in a single match, but they somehow did it to each other. How did this even happen? Yeah, I mean, Wolves at full strength could easily score three goals. We would not be surprised. But without a striker, it's like, wow, three. That's really impressive from Wolves. What happened? And what happened, Kyle, is this. They had an own goal from Brighton, which you and I, I think we can say, is a pretty terrible own goal. They had a penalty. And so that amounts to two goals. And Brighton, they are the most frustrating team in the Premier League. They play decent football. They're up on XG, even though they're in 17th, which is crazy. They can't finish chances. They finished chances this game in the second half particularly. But what's most frustrating, Kyle, is that excluding the penalty, no Wolves shot was worth more than .08 XG. And what that means is even though Brighton didn't concede a shot that you would say, oh, that should go in, they still gave up three goals. And I, they're just finding new ways to drop points every week. And it's so frustrating. And at what point does the manager suffer from it? Yeah, I, I mean, Graham Potter's got to be starting to feel the heat somewhat um, in his managerial seat. But you mentioned they're finding new ways to to just disappoint. I mean, this Brighton team goes out every single match and plays with a back five using three center backs including Lewis Dunk, who seems to be on a lot of good clubs' uh, transfer uh, lists. Ben White also uh, is worth at 40 or 50 million pounds. And these these guys on this team are still just shipping goal after goal after goal, and they can't score either. And, they'll, you know, I'm starting to think that they are starting to reek of a, of a um, relegation team. But the one thing that'll give them hope is that they look below them and they see Sheffield, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, a bunch of shit teams, you got to say. So uh, that alone will probably keep them up. But more than anything, just pivoting over to Wolves, how do you let this game slip from your grasp? 3-1 up at halftime against a team that can't score goals. I just, uh, man, Nuno Espirito Santo will just be really, really frustrated with this one. Yeah, he'll be on the he'll be on eBay looking for strikers after that one, too. Um because they need it, even though they scored three goals. Moving on, Kyle, we had Barcode FC, a.k.a. West Brom, get absolutely whacked by Arsenal, 4-0. And, Kyle, I'm going to toot my little horn here. And ever since I wore my countertop Arsenal jersey, they are 3-0 and with nine points, Kyle. 3-0. Probably about I, to be 5-0, and too. They've got I, Palace coming up. Ooh, Newcastle I single-handedly changed the fate of Arsenal Football Club. And you're welcome, all Arsenal fans. I know we have a couple listen, listening to the show, so you are welcome. I expect in my P.O. box some thank you notes, maybe some candy, uh, some treats to save your season. So you're welcome. And going into this game, actually a couple weeks ago, when Sam Allardyce got the job for West Brom, Kyle, he said that they have a better shot of surviving relegation than Arsenal Football Club. Let that sink in for a second. Letting it sink. Okay. In the four matches that he's been in charge, minus the draw that they had, they have a negative 12 goal difference, Kyle. Negative 12 in four matches since Big Sam took over. It's terrible. They're so, so bad, and I want them blasted out of the Premier League straight into League One. Immediately. Like, please, spare us. Please, spare us. Like, skip over the championship because you can't yo-yo back and go into the League One of the English Premier League system, which is actually Tier 3. But The worst part about it all is you know that they'll get relegated, and then they'll come right back up the next season. If not that season, the season after. I'm just... I'm so sick of this club, man. I'm so sick of this club, and their jerseys just make it 10 times worse. Um, But real quick, I guess some positives. You got to talk about Arsenal. Yes, West Brom are a a joke, but Kieran Tierney, which seems to be the one Arsenal player 
outside of Thomas Partey and Aubameyang that everyone, regardless of who they support, everyone rates Tierney. I mean, the guy's a baller. He scored a golazo uh, with the opening goal. And then there's a really, really slick uh, team goal for uh, Bukayo Saka as well. It's kind of like rolling back the years for Arsenal. But uh, 3-0 and since Justin Jersey time. Can't believe you did it. Probably going to go 5-0 and uh, before the uh, schedule gets a little more tricky. So real quick, if they do go 5-0, and what's the narrative? I mean, is it almost forgotten that they've had a terrible beginning of the season? Or do people still consider the problems that they had uh, before this little run? Probably a mixture of the two. I think you'll have smart people like you and I realize they beat up on crap teams. And then you'll have other people of the media, maybe like Arsenal Fan TV, to say Arteta's turned it around. They figured out they're playing Lacazette, who seems to be their only per- player that could score against decent teams. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I think I I res- I withhold judgment because I want to see them do it against a team that, I don't know, will finish inside the top 12 of the Premier League. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. One more, one more note I'm going to make about West Brom. Any team that should have that has Albion in their name shouldn't should just automatically be disqualified from the Premier League. It's just not anything that you need in your name. Sorry, rant over. Newcastle United. I, I need to I need to move on because I'm going to keep talking shit about where I'm from. Newcastle United. Kyle. They lost at home two to one to Leicester City Football Club. My love, Leicester City, my adopted English Premier League team. And James Madison, Kyle, we've talked a lot about James Madison over the podcast and even last year in our infancy. What a player and what a goal. I mean, a little rocket into the back of the net there. Oh, I know. And it's a really slick team move as well. Uh, I think it was Vardy who cut it back to him. You got Jamie Vardy, man. He just ages like fine wine. The dude's 34, but still has all the pace in the world. But uh, yes, James Madison's finally, finally showed up this season. Uh, that bodes really well for Leicester, and it sort of coincides with all these other players coming back, like Ricardo Pereira. I think Soyuncu played this game. Indeed, he's been playing lately. Um, you know, we talked about this Madison goal, but Yuri Tielemans also with a banger. Really similar goal, actually. But before we move on from James Madison, you know, yes, he finally looks back to his best, but oh, no. the guy has to work on his celebration because that yeah, salt base celebration, that salt base celebration, it should be... Oh, man, he should be banned for three games. Should he have to get loaned to West Brom for the rest of the season after that? That's just cruel and unusual punishment. Kyle, you remember a player named Andy Carroll? Remember that guy that used to play for Liverpool? He scored in this game. Wasn't he worth like 35 million pounds at one point? Seven years, I swear, since he scored a goal. Uh, I think that's, you know, a uh, little bit of a... Stretch, but yeah, I mean, he got a goal late on, but Leicester never was really in huge danger of losing this game. So they go back up to third, Kyle, and they're hanging around. It's, you know, it's the new year and they're still in top four places. Yep. And they deserve it. I mean, yes, they've lost five games and during those, uh, those losses, they've really, uh, have not played well, but look, they're one of the best counterattacking teams in the country and they also play good stuff as well and can pass the ball. It's kind of like a Jose Jose side, but they can actually pass and move it and take the game to teams. So they look dangerous, and all their good players, as I said earlier, are coming back. So uh, things are really looking up for Brennan Rodgers, and um, you know I- I'm sure some big club will be coming back for Brennan Rodgers. But why would he leave? Leicester is such a good place to be. It lets you do the project. There's funds, um, you know, lower expectations, but you know that 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 club has got some great players. It's totally deserved, Kyle. I mean, tied with the most wins with Manchester United, fourth best offense in the league. I mean, how can you say it's luck at all? I mean, they're they're producing, and it's awesome to see. And you know, with a non-big six team, and you can argue over the past, I don't know, five years, or they have they been a better club than Arsenal? You know, a different big six club. Yeah, it's an argument. Yeah, the fact that it's an argument, I mean, you got to give Rodgers credit for that. I mean, especially to take a team from the high of that amazing, amazing Premier League Premier League win with uh, Rainieri. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see anything, you know, any kind of sports shock like that. I mean, that was crazy. Imagine being the guy who put down a thousand bucks on Leicester to win the title. 
Holy oh, shit. Oh, man, I wish I did. That's like uh, going into the season putting money on West Brom. That's exactly, that's exactly what it was. Pretty much. I mean, they were doomed. I mean, they almost went down the, the season before. So, got to give them props. Love watching Leicester. Kyle, we're going to move on to a segment. Yeah, because we're not, you know, we're done with the crazy fixture nonsense. We can actually have a segment now. Uh, crazy what time does. Forgot what it's like. But today, the January transfer window opened, Kyle. And teams can go and shop for players, sell players that are dead weight. We have some little bit of spicy rumors coming out. But before we get into the rumor mill, we should probably have a discussion on two high-profile players that are rumored with the Premier League. And how can you start anywhere else besides Lionel Messi, Kyle, who, as of today, can sign with any club in the world that he chooses for or chooses from for next summer. And there's been a lot of talk about him even coming out and saying, hey, I would love to play in the United States one day. We'll see if we can make that happen. And so naturally, you know, the conglomerate that is what uh, the team that I'm wearing the jersey for, Manchester City, is rumored because they also own New York City FC. So Kyle, do you see Lionel Messi potentially going to Manchester City? Oof. Well, Manchester City's the only place he could go. I mean, I could see maybe United trying to shell out the cash for that, but they've spent like two years trying to get Sancho, so why would they? Why, you know? But City makes the most sense. Pretty much, you know, Pep, their whole backroom staff, all former Barca. Um, They're one of the few teams that could actually afford him, especially during the pandemic. But um, I just, I don't see Messi going anywhere. Now that uh, Barcelona's former owner is no longer there, uh, what was his name? Laporte. I mean, he that guy was a disaster. How do you run a club like Barca into the ground like he did? So I don't really see Messi going anywhere, but you're right. He can move on the free uh, in the summer. If he goes anywhere, uh, I would say it would probably be to City. Maybe to PSG as a replacement for Mbappe. Those are the only two options that I could even see as a possibility. It's too early to go to the MLS. How fun would it be if he linked up at Juventus with Ronaldo? I mean, it's not going to happen. This is pie in the sky stuff. But that would be crazy. If those two on the dream. same team. One can uh, dream. An- another rumor, uh, probably more immediate, is Diego Costa. Kyle, he was released by Atletico Madrid. Um, signed for any club. Rumored with Wolves, with Arsenal, with a host of teams. But do you see him making the jump specifically to the Premier League? One hundred percent. Yeah, I think this is. I don't really see that much movement in the January transfer window, but this is one that I could see happening. I'm not sure if it'll be at Wolves. I think for Costa's career, Wolves would be the best choice because I, I don't, I'd be shocked if Jimenez came back, you know, probably for the rest of the season. I mean, I, I don't even know how that would even work hitting the ball with his fractured skull. Is he going to look like Petr Cech? I don't know. But um, I can see Costa sort of holding out for a better offer from, you know, an Arsenal or a Tottenham or something like that. A man, man City needs a striker, but come on, he's not a pet player. So, uh, yes, I see him in the Premier League, um, you know, by early February. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to sign in January because he is a free agent, so it could stretch into February and could still go through. I, I don't know. I think it would be fun if he goes to Wolves. I mean, Wolves desperately need a striker. Mm-hmm. How fun would that be? You just have a bulldozer like Diego Costa coming in and mm-hmm. heading in and making a menace of all the rest of the Premier League. I, th- I think that would be fun. Everyone hates him, but the shithousery of that dude is just next level. I, I, I love watching Casa, but the guy is just... You love to have him on your team, but you just absolutely hate playing against him. Moving on to the rumor mill, Kyle. We're going to go to your beloved Tottenham Hotspur and two players that you know kind of are mini sacks of shit. Uh, we'll start with Deli <laughs> Ali, Kyle. He is rumored to go to PSG... Uh, other rumors have come out today saying Mourinho or him, he wants to stay and fight for his place. I don't know, Kyle. I feel like Delhi needs to go and find new pastures because he's clearly not playing. But as a Spurs homeboy, what 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 do you make of Delhi Ali's situation? What do you think is best for him? God, I mean, this is a tough one because there's what what I think would be best for Delhi, which is to leave so he can get some minutes so he can play at the Euros for England because at this current rate with the amount of time he's getting on the pitch 
he's not getting in that England team. And I don't think Southgate has been playing with the number 10 attacking center mid. And even then, he wouldn't get in over Grealish or Madison or you name it. So for Delhi, yeah, I think going to a team like PSG would be a good move. I don't think PSG have a uh, an outstanding attacking center mid. He'd get to link up with Pochettino, who's recently uh, you know, brought back in. You know, Pochettino used to play there, so that makes sense. And he knows how to get the best out of him. But for Spurs, I just don't see Spurs letting him go. You know, unless some club comes in with a big offer, like I think 60 million pounds would probably do it for Delhi, especially since he's not playing. And, you know, Spurs need some money to go buy some other players for uh, Mourinho. So I just, I don't see Daniel Levy sanctioning a loan, which is the only thing I think anyone would offer for Delhi. Um, so, yeah, but another Spurs player that you mentioned, uh, rumors about him potentially going out is Harry Winks. I know he's your favorite. I know he's my favorite. Of course, I'm just kidding because I, I don't rate the dude at all. Uh, but he is a homegrown Spurs dude, you got to say. Um, but he's been in and out of Jose's team, mostly out. Uh, rumors linking him to Everton. Uh, he was rumored with Manchester City earlier this uh, in the summer for 40 million pounds, which I was... What a joke. That immediately. Take it now. Uh, but again, same situation with all these injuries. I just don't think Spurs um, give a player like Winks or Delhi. Uh, in in the January transfer window, look towards the summer. More of the discussion side, Kyle Christian Eriksen, uh, unused, underappreciated by Inter, not really a fit with their system, and high likelihood of leaving in January to go to another club. Now, he's been rumored with Arsenal, even returned to Spurs, which I personally don't think is likely. Uh, rumored with Manchester United, rumored with PSG. Do you think he's going to come back specifically, though, to the Premier League? Mm, no. No, I, I don't see it happening. And I don't see it happening because I, I don't see Erickson fitting into a Jose system. Um, <laughs> I was going to say United have Van de Beek and Pogba and Bruno Fernandes, but that didn't stop him getting Van de Beek. So, you know, why not get a fourth center attacking mid who won't play? It will be expensive on the bench. So, uh, And that leaves Arsenal. And on paper... Erickson and Arsenal actually seem like a good fit, but the Spurs fans would just go nuts. And Erickson, even though he did push to move to Inter Milan, I I would be surprised if he was willing to risk the Spurs fan base um, by moving to Arsenal. But hey, you you never know. That'd be shocking. I I don't see that happening, but you never know. You're right. You never know. Let's move on to a discussion point. Our favorite player last season, Jesse Lingardino. Is he out? Is he finally going to get out of that hellhole that is Manchester United? And I'm just kidding by hellhole. They're top of the league. But is he actually going to get out of Manchester United? I wish I cared enough to be checking what's going on with Jesse Lingard's career. Uh, I'm going to take over for you then. He is rumored with Sheffield United, Kyle. And what a better place, you know, name a better place for him to resurrect his career than the mighty Sheffield United, the Blades, Kyle, with their great uniforms down there. Hey, he could really uh, smash it out in the Champions League. Sorry, Champions League. Huh? Champions Oh, wow. What a turnaround that would be. Back from the dead. No, Championship, that's probably his level. Maybe I'm being a little harsh, but I just, I never saw anything from Jesse Lingard. I mean, who would want them? And the fact that Sheffield United does says a lot, but... Moving on to a player who also hasn't really showed up in the past two years, but you got to say his his resume is impressive. He's great to watch when he's on form. Isco. What's up with Isco? He never gets on the field for Real Madrid. Uh, rumors about him maybe coming to Arsenal or to uh, Manchester City in the past. Tottenham maybe two seasons ago. Is Isco going anywhere? Most recently, Kyle, he was rumored with Everton. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Isco. I mean, obviously a player with talent, uh, probably a little more polished Mesut Ozil as of now. Uh, so I don't see him going to Arsenal. I don't, I don't know. They have Ceballos and they have other crappy players. So I don't know if they will stomach that they have crappy players and admit that and get Isco, but... I, I don't think this is going to happen, especially not in the winter. Uh, it could in the summer, but I don't see him moving, and I don't yeah. see a Premier League team ponying up for, for his go. 
Moving on to a pretty strong rumor uh, is Buendia out of Norwich City in the championship. Now, we spoke of yo-yo clubs like West Brom, but Norwich is fits into that same tier of teams as well, where they go down, they come up, they don't spend any money in shocker, they go back down. But Buendia is really quality, Kyle, and he's been tearing it up in the championship. Arsenal look to reinv- you know, reinvigorate that attack, even though they have all these attacking players and want to sign Buendia. Do you think that's going to happen, number one? And two, do you think that's a fit? I do think it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit because Arsenal really need that center attacking position. Uh, yes, they have Emil Smith Rowe or whatever his name is, who looks really good. You got to say, um, but uh, if Ozil's not going to play, they need a cam. Buendia is about as cheap as it gets uh, for how much quality you get as well. Uh, real question is: Is Norwich going to be willing to sell a player when they're sitting top of the championship? I would say probably not. But if Arsenal cough up the dough. Um, you know, it's it's definitely possible. But hey, we're we're running a little over on our time limit here, so I'm gonna get through some real quick rumors. Uh, David Alaba, his uh, contract is up by the end of the season. Both Manchester clubs are looking at him, but more than likely will be going to Real Madrid. That's what the rumor mill is saying. Uh, Sammy Kadira from Juventus to Everton sounds like it may or may not be on. I've also seen him linked to Spurs. I don't see that. I don't know if that would improve Everton that much, Kyle. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he starts on that team. All veteran and might provide depth, but I don't know if that improves their starting eleven that much. No, I, I'd have to agree. He doesn't start. Uh, if anything, it would just be for some depth, so they don't have to play Tom Davies or whatever. Uh, a weird one: Arnautovic back to West Ham. I mean, where is Arnautovic? Is he in China? It's in China, I believe. Yeah. Can he still do it? I mean, he's like what thirty-two now, but hey, he's a quality yeah, player. In the Premier League, right? I mean, he was doing it. He was doing the business. And uh, speaking of doing the business, Manchester City, they're always doing it in the summer. They're not going to be going for anyone in January, likely, but seems like they're uh, keeping an eye out for a striker, a big striker to replace Sergio Aguero. And we've seen two, two names linked, both from our favorite clubs, Harry Kane and Erling Holland. Yeesh. I mean, Harry Kane, clearly the better fit. A Premier League player has done it in England, has already made the transition. So if anyone, they should definitely go after, definitely, definitely go after Harry yeah. Kane. Yeah, okay, Dortmund home uh, fanboy. But how about this? Erling Holland's dad, former Manchester City player? Mm. Yeah, you know, he's not going to want to. He wants to create his own name. He doesn't want to follow in his dad's footsteps. Come on, Kyle. I mean, If you're Man City, though, cheaper option is clearly going to be Holland. You know, Spurs are going to demand at least one fifty million. I think, I think we're over on time. I don't think we have any more time. <laughs> I think I won that argument. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But Kyle, that I think that's it for the show. I mean, we t- it's fascinating times in the Premier League right now, where you have Liverpool and Manchester United tied at 33 points on the top of the Premier League table, but Manchester United a game in hand. But then you have all the way down to West Ham in 10th position, only seven points down from Liverpool and United. So that's a fascinating season. And even though we shit talk Chelsea this game and they're in ninth place and it all looks terrible, they're only three points from Champions League places, Kyle. So in a month, this could all be different. All it takes is three games, three good games, three wins in a row. You can go from 15th to ninth place like Arsenal did or whatever it is, or you could go from third to ninth like Chelsea. Suddenly Spurs are back in the top four. It's it's crazy. I mean, we said it last week and we'll say it again. Don't look too closely at the table because it doesn't tell the whole picture. Correct. Uh, we do not have games in the Premier League this uh, this weekend, Kyle, this upcoming weekend. We have some Carabao Cup in midweek. Spurs, probably the biggest game in the club's history against Brentford uh, tomorrow, I believe. And it's a joke. It's probably their second or third biggest game. I won't. Uh, I get carried away sometimes. And then uh, we have FA Cup, I believe, this weekend, Kyle, with a host of different matches there. Uh, match week 18 coming up, where we have uh, starting midweek next week. Um, and so we have some, I believe, Manchester City and Brighton. Villa Tottenham is probably the best match of uh, match week 18, Kyle. Yeah, some spicy matchups. Uh, spicy matchups. Arsenal Palace will be interesting. We'll see where Arsenal is. Um, but you know, Leeds Champ will be interesting. But I, I, I would have my eye on that Leicester Chelsea 
uh, match. If <laughs> if Chelsea don't win that, and that's going to be tough, oof, the rumor mill will be spinning. And that's all we got for this episode. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at OverTheTopEPL. The same with Twitter. For Kyle, I am Justin. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next weekend. Stay healthy, y'all.